Uh, we're going to get into, uh, continue our series called Guard Your Heart. And uh, we've been talking about all of us have, all of us have these habits in life that if we're not careful, uh, can really begin to hurt our hearts. And last week we talked about anger. And anger says, you owe me. That's the emotion of anger. Guilt, which is what we're going to get into today, says, I owe you. And it's this burden that we carry that we've hurt God or that we've hurt someone else. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're here uh, because we love you. And because of everything that you've done for us. And Lord, we know that there are folks, uh, I know that there are folks right now that uh, this is hard because uh, we carry guilt. And if we're not careful, guilt can lead to shame. And Lord, you don't want that. You're not a God that whispers in our, in our ears that uh, we're not loved. You're a God that reaches out and you love us. And so, Lord, we're just so thankful for that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, this, is a, this is a tough subject, to be honest with you, when you start talking about uh, guilt and shame and um, when there's tension between you and a brother or sister in Christ or you have tension with somebody at work, in your family, and you know you need to do something about that. So we're just going to jump, if that's okay with you, into the deep water right away and talk about this. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we read this from Jesus. Therefore, just as Tobin was sharing, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, which in other words, you need to seek forgiveness. You leave your gift there in front of that altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You see what's going on there? Jesus said, listen, I know that even in worship, there are times you're battling guilt. And if you're battling that guilt, it's more important even than the worship that you take care of that, that you reconcile that relationship. We all know what it's like to go through life feeling guilt. It's a very real habit that really does capture the heart. What is guilt? Guilt is when we know we did something wrong. This may be hurting someone physically or emotionally. It may also feel, we may feel guilt because we have violated something we feel is ethically or morally wrong. And it's interesting, there's a couple of ways that guilt comes to us. One is what I call self-inflicted guilt. Is uh, in the quietness of a day, uh, God has a way of whispering uh, through his spirit, something's wrong. And all of a sudden, we get that sense, you need to do something about that. And that's a good thing when God does that. That is a really good thing. But there's another way that we can experience guilt, and that is when guilt comes and is delivered by someone else. That's the proverbial guilt trip. Does anybody know what that is? Matter of fact, I heard about a husband and wife. They've been married for years, and it was a lazy Saturday morning, and uh, uh, his, this man's wife said, you know what, I'm going to fix you a great breakfast. So how would you like your eggs? He goes, sunny side up. She goes, okay. So she starts getting everything ready and goes, oh, by the way, Take your time when you make those eggs sunny side up because I don't want them running all over the bacon in the pan. She just lets it go. 
about a few seconds later, she, he says, hey, by the way, when you put the salt and pepper on, do it gently, because you know I want it done just right. A few more seconds go by, he goes, oh, by the way, I'd also like some toast. So you go, whoa, 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 I've just about had it with you. I don't need you instructing me how to make a breakfast. I mean, how many times have I done this? And he said, now you know how I feel when I'm driving. Now that's, oh, that's, let's pray and go home. Can we do that? <laughs> I noticed no husbands and wives are even looking at each other. All of us know what that's like. We all have experienced the guilt trip. And can I be honest with you, who's sometimes guilty of delivering a guilt trip? The church. Let's be honest. Have you ever had times in your life the only reason you show up at certain things is what? I just feel guilty. It's not a great motivation. But guilt is something that we all deal with. But I want to ask you this morning, and this is an important question, is there a difference between guilt and shame? Is there a difference between guilt and shame? Brene Brown said the difference between shame and guilt is the difference between I am bad, that's shame, and I did something bad, that's guilt. Do you see the difference? When Satan whispers in your ear and he rewinds all the things you've done wrong in your life, the mistakes you've made, the people you've let down. You know what that is? That's Satan's voice, and that is shame, saying, you're a bad person. And let me promise you today, that's not the Lord and Savior that we serve. He never whispers that. Now, will God whisper through us and through others, there's something you need to take care of and convict us? Absolutely. Why? Because he loves us. It's the difference, really, between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is specific. Condemnation is general. Conviction is hurtful, whereas condemnation is hopeless. Listen to God's word, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. God does not condemn you. Every one of you, I want you to hear that. You may be here this morning, some of you, and think, can God use me with all the damage that's in my life? I mean, all the, the cargo of shame that I've had, absolutely God can do that. God loves you so much, he will never condemn you. He will convict us. And that conviction is, again, that's not a bad thing. We condemn ourselves, and if we're not careful, we allow shame to, to just leak out of our lives through guilt. Past guilt keeps us from living just that way. Now, I'd love for you to write this down. This is a quote from Tom Ellsworth, so it's good stuff. This is not for me, okay? Guilt cannot change the past in the same way worry cannot change the future. Guilt cannot change the past in the same way worry cannot change the future. So this morning we're going to look at the patterns of guilt and then a biblical approach to overcome guilt. So here's the first pattern of guilt. 
This is how you know that God's trying to get your attention and guilt is getting the best of you. Number one, we hide. In Genesis 3, verses 8 and 9, uh, you know the story well. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, and as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees and in the garden, but the Lord God called to man, Where are you? And this is when you know sometimes God's working on your heart is you get this sense that you're actually hiding from God. Now, my daughter years ago when she was around three years old loved to play Rachel hide and seek. And so we'd go through this every time. I'd say, Rachel, what do you want to do? I'm going to play hide and seek. Okay, okay. I'm going to count to 10. You parents know how you do this. One, two, eight, nine. It gets old after a while. So anyway, you're counting. And then I'd say, ready or not, here I come. And she'd say, here I am. <laughs> I'd go back and I'd, I'd give her a hug. I'm like, uh, seriously, you're like your mom. You're not getting this. Okay, so let's do this again. I, I'm just joking. Hey, oh, oh, buckle up, people. <laughs> but then we'd go through it all over again. Okay, let's do it again. Ready or not, here I am. And I'd, I'd say, Rachel, and she would giggle, and I realized, actually, she understood the game better than me. You know why? Isn't it a lot funner to be found than to hide? I wish Adam and Eve had figured that out, and I wish we had figured it out. Because what? You cannot hide from God, no matter how hard you try. And we try, I mean, we hide in our homes, in our rooms, we hide with our laptops and our iPads. We hide on Facebook, in solitude, in public. We hide in our busyness, our jobs, in our credit cards, in our sin. You cannot hide from God. The second thing we do is we cover up. You know the story well in 2 Samuel 11 and 12 with David and Bathsheba. Uh, David has an affair, and then he goes into overdrive trying to cover everything up, and he actually thinks that he's covered everything up, uh, along with the fact that he actually took her husband and intentionally put him on the front lines and had him killed. He thought nobody knew. As long as he stays in the palace and he stays away from the whispers that he cannot hear from the public, he's covered it up. And it's not until Nathan, the prophet, approaches him and he tells him a parable. And he tells it in a way that David gets it. And at that moment that David gets it, I call it the big reveal. Because the big reveal is verse 12 of 2 Samuel 12. It says, you did it in secret, but I will do this in broad daylight. That's Nathan talking to David. All of Israel will know. And then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against who? The Lord. See, when we cover up, eventually we've got to come to the realization God wants to us to uncover this guilt in our life so that he can start working on our hearts because that's how much he loves us. And it all starts with, you know, when I try to cover something up, do you know who I'm hurting most? The very heart of God. Conviction draws us to forgiveness. Or another trait is we sugarcoat our guilt. I love in Psalms 51, David, when he comes completely clean with his actions, says, I have sinned against God. That's the end of the story. And you know you're sugarcoating your guilt 
when you have phrases like, nobody's perfect, it could be worse, no one got hurt, no harm, no foul. Uh, do you remember when you were teenagers? I know none of you did this, uh, but I used to do this with my mom, is I would totally do something stupid. And she would give me that look like, I wish I only had six children right now. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I was number seven. And she'd put her hands on her hips and she'd shake her head. And I would say, uh, you know, usually, I always use Pete Matthews. You know, Pete Matthews' mom, this wouldn't bother her at all. And by the way, Pete Matthews, out of control. You know what that guy's into now? My mom would stop me and go, number one, you're not Pete Matthews. Number two, what does every mother say? I'm not Pete Matthews' mother. I'm your mother. I know that mother. And then usually I get grounded or something fun. We've all been there because we love to go down that trail of using excuses and sugarcoating it. There's no need to sugarcoat our guilt with God. But God does something amazing. He says, I've got, I've got a biblical approach to help us with our guilt so that guilt doesn't spill into shame. And here's what it is. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When you hear the word confession, what do you think? What's the first image that comes to your mind? You may think maybe a few years ago, you remember the show 24? Like Jack Bauer interrogating you. You may have that sense in your mind. Confession is like God pointing a finger at you and wanting you to tell the truth. Or maybe confession, for some of you uh, that have a Catholic background, you think of actually sitting and talking to someone behind a curtain. You think of a confession. But it's interesting what God tells us about confession. Confession is vertical and horizontal. Vertical is Psalms 32.5. I acknowledge my sin, and, you didn't, and I did not cover my iniquity. In other words, we go straight to God, and, and we say, God, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I am so sorry for what I did. You know what God does? He forgives us. And that's at any time in our lives. When you just have this sense, uh, I heard this about the Holy Spirit that God puts in us, that God's Holy Spirit, it convicts the comfortable and it comforts the convicted. Does that make sense? There are times you need to be convicted and God will be like, don't you dare. Forget what you've done. You need to take care of that. He's, he's going to get our attention. And there's other times we beat ourselves up and God's spirit comes over us in peace and he's like, you've got to let that go. He comforts us. I love that about God's spirit. But first of all, it's vertical confession. And then second of all, it's horizontal. In other words, are we willing to go to Christ knowing as his, he is our high priest, that he hears us, that he's He's actually told us in Hebrews 4.14 that we can boldly go to the throne of grace. And as we go to Jesus, we can say, and here's this prayer, Jesus, I know I've hurt someone. Would you help me? Because it's so hard to say, I'm sorry, isn't it? And you'll get that sense. That Holy Spirit will just give you a nudge. Uh, we had a meeting at Sherwood Oaks the other day. And um, sometimes I won't say something Christ-like and I'll... I'll couch it in sarcasm. I know none of you do that either, but I, but I caught myself twice that I did that. And I knew in my heart, 
that's not right. And I tried to cover it up in my heart. I'm like, that's not that big a deal. And I got up the next morning. I'm like, you need to apologize to two people from that meeting. And I'm like, Lord, seriously, they didn't catch that. I mean, you know, I mean, really? You know, you ever done that? And then it just, he wouldn't let me go. And one of them immediately texted, hey, brother, I, and I was so snarky at that meeting. I am sorry. And immediately, hey, you're forgiven. Forget about it. Now, the other person does not like me. And I don't, no, I'm just joking. Now, and it's funny, the other person said, I don't, you didn't say anything. I don't know what you're talking about. But see, I knew. Don't we know that in our heart? God will say, hey, there's a relationship. And it may be as simple as like, hey, I just, I got to say something. I'm sorry. And sometimes it's deeper than that. And I know that. But God doesn't want us to live in a world where we're constantly feeling guilty. That's why confession is so important. But the second part of confession is the horizontal part. And that is simply when you have something heavy on your heart, and uh, we talked before that maybe it's just something ethically or something you're struggling with, and that's where you need a good, solid Christian friend that you can confess to. And when I say confess, you're going to a friend, and you're just saying, hey, can I be honest with you? I'm really battling this. Can you pray for me? Now, can I say something, how important this is? Uh, years ago, we used to, this was a buzzword. I'm, I tell you, it used to bother me. They used to say, everybody needs to be in an accountability group. How many of you heard that phrase? You need to be in a, okay, what's the danger of an accountability group? Anybody? Listen, if you confess something deep in your life to eight or nine friends, what's the odds that's going to be confidential? Anybody? Not good. And we, you know how we couch that? Uh, we need to pray for so-and-so. Why, what are they going through? <laughs> oh, it's good. You know, oh, it's bad. I mean, it's bad. You know what I'm saying? But if you have that one friend, I mean, if you need that one Christian friend that you can sit with, that you know, and I, I love this quote that I found, is keeping confidence of a friend is a sacred responsibility. You ever think about that? That when somebody says, this has to stay here, that they know that it's going to stay there. But boy, there's something to have a friend like that. I look around this room, and I've got some friends like that here, that I can sit and I can just say, oh my, I feel so bad about something I've done, or man, I'm really struggling with this. Have you ever struggled with that? Or, and to have somebody that will pray with you, that confession is so powerful, it's so real. And the other thing is, if you have something that God's working on your heart, and there's somebody that you need to talk to, uh, and you generally, you just need to say, I'm sorry, let me just give you one word of advice. Do that one-on-one. -on -one. You know, Matthew 18, do that one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you don't need to do it publicly. You don't need to have a room full of people and say, I would like to, in front of the entire room, apologize for whatever, because... That makes the other person just feel weird. You don't want to do that. So Jesus said, this is a big deal, this whole idea of dealing with guilt because it can get our hearts. Because guilt can lead to shame. And then we start believing that not only do we do bad things, we actually believe we're bad people. And that's not true. God doesn't want us to ever feel that way. I found this um, a few years ago. And um, so I did some more research on it because I think it's interesting. Um, it's called postsecret.com. 
and is the most visited nonprofit blog in the world. So let me tell you what it is. In 2004, a guy named Frank Warren, who was a, an artist, handed out, if you can believe this, 3,000 postcards in Washington, D.C., 3,000 postcards to random people. On one side of the postcard, uh, he had his address. That was it. He had his address. And he had this one instruction. And this is interesting. Anonymously share a artful secret you have never shared before. You see what I'm saying? Artfully take this postcard and share a secret and then mail it to me. Now, you would think no one would do that. Up to this date, he's received over a half a million postcards. And if you go on this blog, he shares some of these postcards. And I just want to briefly share four this morning. Here's the first one. Ever since the school I teach at started the canned food drive, I haven't had to pack my lunch. Part of you kind of is a laugh, and then part of you is like, wow, there's, there's more to that in there. Here's another one. I found these stamps as a child, and I've been waiting all my life to have someone to send them to. I never did have someone. Here's one. I love this one. I give decaf to customers who are rude to me. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's from the poorhouse. No, I'm just like, it's not, it's not. It's not. Here's my favorite one. Dear birth mother, I have great parents. I found love. I'm happy. I love that because I think that's what God wants us to feel. I don't think he wants us to feel uh, like we're guilty or shameful. I think God wants us to know, hey, I'm your dad, and I love you. And I love that about God. 